Good afternoon. This is part six of our series of videos about Luther, of Lutheran catechesis, introduction to Lutheranism. Um, and today we are doing, with this video, we're going to do a crash course on the Ten Commandments. At the moment, I am planning to try to do all Ten Commandments, but may only get through the first three. So we're going to see how that all plays out. And if I only get through three, I'm going to have to rename this video. Um, but these are good. I'm going to finish up on the Ten Commandments today and then probably tomorrow or at some point in the near future, I'm going to I'll finish this. I'll do more of these videos until I'm completely done with them. So we're going to be starting into the Ten Commandments as, as it is written in Luther's small catechism. Now, to step backwards, we're going to talk. About, I want to first talk about the distinction between law and gospel. Right here on my desk is a book by C.F.W. Walter. It is called simply called Law and Gospel, and it is a very, very good book. I believe literally any any and every Christian should read it, um, especially pastors, teachers, DCs, whatever. It's an excellent, excellent book to read and to be familiar with, um, and. The distinction of law and gospel is very, very central to understanding Scripture and to keep your theology from getting completely out of whack. Um, and you're supposed to look for it in your preacher. A pastor should always preach law and gospel, all right? So the gospel needs to always be present. I mean, right? And so, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about what the gospel is, but very simply, the law tells us what God demands of us and, by consequence, shows us how we fail. The law is ultimately going to condemn you. It condemns us. Um, it shows our sin, S-O-S, as we're taught in confirmation classes. It shows our sin. There are three uses to the law. The first use of the law is the curb, um, and that is that it shows us how to live as good human beings. Um, the second use of the law is the mirror, in that it shows us our sin and shows where we failed. So every And by the way, the second law always is at work. The law always accuses. It's always pointing its finger, showing that you have failed, to uphold it fully, perfectly. And then the third use of the law is the ruler, and that is basically how uh, we are to live as Christians. So the Ten Commandments are a very simple view of what the, ten, what the law is. Um, and one of the things I should note is if you're to look up the Ten Commandments, you're going to get two different typical orderings of the Ten Commandments. There's one that is ordered by the Protestants, and there's another ordering by Lutherans and Roman Catholics and some other groups. And so the main distinction is, is that the Calvinists, the, Pentec the Protestants, um, they combine the Ninth and Tenth Commandment and separate the First Commandment into two commandments. And so basically that's where the difference is. We don't have the graven images commandment. We consider that all to be part of the first commandment. And we separate the ninth and tenth commandments, so you have two different commandments on covenant. So that is basic 
difference. So if you're to follow along with some list of the commandments, you'll find yourself on a different order than I'm giving. So um, we're going to start reading through this, and so I'm using this. And the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Now, there are different ways that this commandment is broken. But I'm going to tell you right now. So it's very interesting. In the small catechism, the first commandment is pretty much the shortest part of the entire catechism. In the large catechism, it's the longest part. And I believe the reason why it's the longest is because ultimately every single sin that you ever commit boils down to a failure to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Whenever we sin, it ultimately means we did not fear God above all things. It means that we feared something else. Um, so, Or we trusted in something or loved something else. Um, a really good way. So there's two different ways where this first commandment really plays out. There's the obvious one. So let's say atheism would be a, one of those. If you're an atheist, you don't believe there is a God at all. Um, that would be a failure to keep the first commandment. If you are a Muslim uh, or Buddhist or uh, Hindu or whatever other religion, those are all examples of failures of the first commandment. So because they're holding to another God, they're fearing, fear loving, fearing, loving, and trusting in a false God above all things or above the true one true God. It also, but the other way that it is broken, and this is the one that literally every human being does, is it's broken in the service to our idols or our little gods. And so this could be as simple as um, food can be an idol. Um, food is necessary for our existence, but it's, it's really amazing when you look at it how much of our life is committed to eating Food, and so this is an example of us uh, breaking the first commandment. Um, you know, we put that above God. We're like, well, I got to eat. And I mean, here's actually a really good example. So we're having a service at, <clears throat> let's say, there's a service at ten. You know, we have a service, and it gets a little bit too close to the lunch hour. People are like, well, I got to get to the restaurant, and people are getting grumbling. And the thing is, is when we get into the moment, we are treating our belly, the desire for food, above our God. Um, so our food becomes an idol. Our belly becomes an idol. Um, money, mammon, as Luther put it, is another. It's probably the most common of idols. So we're talking money. We're talking possessions like cars electronics, clothing, you know, having all the best stuff. We'll do anything and everything to get it. We will neglect going to church so we could work to make the money to have money. Um, we will neglect to go to church so that way we can have this cool stuff. Uh, neglect God's words for the sake of this stuff. This is making an idol of out of mammon. Um, we do it when we 
Um, another false idol can be even our families. Um, our families, we could we could overcommit to them. Um, how many times? I mean, a really good example of this is uh, many churches do not do worship services on Christmas Eve or day. And the reason is like, well, no, that's family time. Well, it's Christ's mass, which suggests you're supposed to be having the divine service um, on that day at some point where you hear God's word, receive the Lord's Supper. That's suggested by the name of Christmas. If, you're if you if your plan is to celebrate Christmas, then you should be in worship. But people know it's that's family snuggle time. And that is actually putting your family above Christ. And the irony is, is when you do that, you're actually um, doing harm to your family. You're not you're failing to love your family properly. So a family could be idol. Your hobbies could be an idol. It, sports is one of the most notorious parts of this. There have been many blogs and articles written about the false religion known as athletica or um, sports religions. And, yeah, people are pretty darn dedicated. They'll um, dress up. They'll put paint on their face. They'll gather in these huge stadiums, and they'll chant, and they'll cheer. They have songs. They have motions that they do. And they've been doing the same ones for years after years. And nobody complains about the old things. Like, well, that's old-fashioned. Why don't we do something new? Well, you tend to, well, you might do something new, but you still do the old stuff too. And people are pretty stuck on this religion of sports. And they will neglect worship in the name of it. In the name of, you know, watching a football game, being at a football game or basketball game, uh, you know, there's all these different ways. It occupies so much of our time. But when we ask this, even an ounce of that kind of time in dedication to their faith, the answer is always no, or quite often no. And so all examples about how we make an idol into our hobbies or enjoyments. This also could be, come from binge-watching TV or movies. Um, I'd say that's what I'm guilty of. I probably do too much of it. And so there is all these different places and different ways that we fail at this first commandment, every single sin. So like if we lie, we didn't fear God enough to tell the truth. We feared the, the repercussions of us telling the truth more than we did the repercussions of lying, um, for example. And so every single sin boils down to that first commandment. You shall have that. Um, you shall have no other God before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. <clears throat> so the way we fail to keep the second commandment, and by the way, note, this is one thing you're going to notice in all the Ten Commandments. It begins with, we should fear and love God so that. So the obedience to the law, obedience to the commandments, flows from faith. If you have faith, you will obey God's law. You'll keep his commandments. It's whenever we 
fail to have faith, then we break his commandments. And so we should fear and love God so that we do not curse. So this would be things like saying, apologize for this, but this is just an example. It would be like saying, uh, like, damn you. That word is to curse someone, to tell someone, I hope you go to hell. That's basically what you're saying. They're saying, go to hell. That is to curse a person, to speak a curse upon another. You're not supposed to do that. To swear. I swear to God, people say. Um, now, you could do this under oath. So like you're in court, the pastor or in the the judge tells you, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? You may do that. But if you lie under that oath, you have you have broken the law, broken God's commandment to fear his name. Um or to uh, to not use his name in vain. Uh use satanic arts. So in other words, no uh Ouija boards, uh horoscopes, things like that, all of that is a way of using the Lord's name in vain. Uh, you should not lie, so that begins swearing by God's name and not telling the truth, uh, or deceive by his name, similarly. And by the way, this deceive by his name also would refer to we teach anything false regarding to him, false theology. So um, somebody says that you know, Jesus is really um, a giant marshmallow man in the sky. That would be to deceive by his name, all right? So this is condemning false teaching of all kinds, especially regarding faith. <coughs> it says, rather, we are to call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. And the way we do this, the way we keep the second commandment, is to pray God to God, to worship him, to thank him for the wondrous blessings and gifts he gives us. All right. So um in my day, the the old translation, they would say it is the you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And the word vain means meaningless, to render his name meaningless. And so that is actually pretty much the crux of it. And the more literal translations, you shall not use the name of Yahweh, your God in vain. We see the name of God is Yahweh. You find this in Exodus 3. In Exodus 3, Moses said, Whom shall I say sent me to them? And he says, Told them, told Moses, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent me to you. And so I am that I I am in Hebrew is. Yahweh. Yahweh is an intensification of I am. And so that is the name of God that God gave of himself. And so we, if we use his name, we say God, we say Jesus, we still say it so flippantly or whatever. We say, oh, geez, or oh, gosh, OMG, we say. We render God's name powerless. We, we take the respect of it. When we say it just emptily like that, we show a total disrespect for him, as if he is not God at all, as if he is a nothing, a nobody. Um, imagine if I said, oh, my Frank, you know, somebody named Frank, you know, for Frank's sake, you know, or something like that. It would render the name of the person named Frank meaningless. It has no meaning or definition connected to that person's name. 
And so same thing happens when we do with God's. We render his name powerless and we make it no longer sacred and set apart from other names. Third commandment. I'm not going to go too deep into this because we just did a thing on worship in the last video. But the third commandment is remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching in his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. So we are to hear, come to remember the Sabbath day by keeping holy means to hear God's word. Attend worship. And not only attend worship, do Bible classes. Dig and learn God's word. That's how we keep this commandment. And we are to gladly hear preaching. We're not to grumble at it. We are to gladly hear it, and we are to speak it and tell of it to others. We are supposed. We are not to go hear a sermon or hear God's pro word proclaimed to us and walk out the door as if nothing ever happened. We are to be honoring to God's word. All right. So that is how we keep the Sabbath day. We attend worship. We hear God's word. And we learn it. That means if, you know, the word is telling us that we are not to be mean to our siblings. That means you're not to be mean to your siblings and you're to apologize for your failings. And if your siblings are mean to you and they repent, you are to forgive them. That's right. You're to forgive. That's part of also, you know, hearing and learning it. So, and like I said, we're not supposed to despise preaching his word. We are not to make the job of being a pastor miserable. Some congregations horribly fail at that. Uh, fortunately, we have a very good congregation here. I'm blessed here in our situation, but there are many congregation pastors are not in such a blessed situation. So there you go. I've just skimmed through the first three commandments. I'm going to stop right there. Like I said, I'm flying through these. Um, and the reason is because I don't want to spend too much time doing all these because it's going to take a while to produce all these videos. And I'm trying to get them produced during this Christmas break when there's not as much stuff going on and while everyone's kind of settled down. And I want to get this ready for some certain individuals that really could use these videos. So uh, that's what I got for you this day. Those are the three first three commandments. Uh, next week, I'm going to come, the next video, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do the fourth through 10th commandment. And as I stop for a moment, I'm going to briefly mention that the commandments are on two tablets. And these are known as, as are referred to as the two tables of the law. And so commandments one through three are known, are the first table. And the summary of these first three commandments is to love your, the Lord, your God with all your heart with all your mind and with all your soul, with all your strength. This comes from the when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said that was the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God. And so the summary of the, the first table of the law is the greatest commandment, that one we said. So commandment number one, you shall know their God before me. Commandment number two, you shall not use, misuse the, use the name of the Lord your God. Commandment number three, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. At the core of these three commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. 
Next, we're going to go move in to the second table, and we will talk about the second table where the second greatest law is love your neighbor as yourself. At the core of commandments 4 through 10 is loving your neighbor as yourself. That's where we'll go to next. See you then.